Modern life. Between careers, kids, and health, it can be mayhem. That's why we're here. I'm Dr. Lisa Varghese-Kroll. And I'm Dr. Lonre Falusi. We're physicians, moms, and longtime friends who break it all down for you. Wondering how to juggle all the balls and still stay sane? Looking for advice but don't want to be overwhelmed? Curious about how to make the most out of life for your family but enjoy it at the same time? You're in the right place. Welcome to Health and Home with the Hippocratic Hosts. Since the start of the pandemic, more and more families have considered packing it all up and moving abroad. Today, we have part two of our discussion with Jennifer Stevens from the blog Adventurous Appetite, an American international school teacher who did just that, and now she's lived all over the world. Wondering what healthcare is like in other countries? What are her tips for moving abroad with kids? And whether she'd ever move home? Keep listening to find out all that and more. Hey, everyone. If you haven't listened to episode 40 yet, part one of this discussion, we encourage you to do that now to learn more about Jennifer's story and her advice on finding jobs and building community in a foreign country. If you have listened to part one already, here we go with part two. So you alluded earlier to um, some health emergencies that have happened. Can you talk a little bit more about your experience with healthcare living in these different countries? Yeah, sure. So I'll start, so I don't ramble on again, Um, uh, I'll start chronologically of Mm -hmm. where I've lived just so I can keep it straight. Um, So I first moved to Korea, as I said, and while I was there, I I actually got hit by a motorcycle. Oh my gosh. Yeah. (laughs) And um, so I broke my cheek, my nose, my hand, my ribs, and... Oh, wow. Yeah, it was, it was scary, and I was unconscious, and so I woke up in the hospital, and I was, you know, I was on Valium or, or some, some sedative, so I, I didn't really know what was going on, and, mm-hmm. uh, but I had some friends that were by my bedside, and my sister actually um, was in Korea for a bit of time as well, and she was over my bedside, mm-hmm. and so I was... I think one of the first questions I asked was about, you know, being from the States was, how did I get here? How much is this going to cost me? Mm-hmm. You know, of and, you know, and it's like, not anything about your health, not, oh my gosh, no, you know, all, right? No. It was, yeah. I was unconscious and am I okay? Right. It's, you know, yeah. and that's so far down the list. Yeah, yeah. It's so sad that, you know, as it Americans, is. that's our first concern. And so of course the doctor's like, why are you thinking about that? <laughs> and, um, yeah, the ambulance was free. And I didn't actually pay for anything for that that stay because it was an accident that wasn't my fault. And the Korean government helped me. Um, wow. And that was a really, really positive experience and really made me look at universal health care in a different way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And... I also broke my ankle while I was in Korea and you know that time it was it was my fault I stepped into a hole <laughs> but, um, <laughs> a little clumsy but it was the same it was I got amazing care and my director helped take me to the hospital for translation every week to take x-rays just so they were making sure the bone was healing correctly Oh my god. I know. Really That's um, unbelievable. Amazing. Yeah. I honestly amazing. Um 
but it was so inexpensive. I, I don't remember. It was a while ago now. It was about 11 years ago, but I remember paying out of pocket. So, you know, it, it was enough. It was little enough that I could pay in bills that I had in my wallet each time oh, I wow. went. Wow. Wow. That's amazing. That's unbelievable. And, the, and important for us to hear. Yeah. And the care mm-hmm. was was wonderful in Seoul. Uh, you know, it was actually one of the first things I noticed when I first moved to that city was the amount of hospitals. I think <laughs> I think at the time I made a joke like, wow, y'all have hospitals like we have Starbucks. You know, they were just on, <laughs> on every corner. So that was my experience in Korea was really positive and really cutting edge. And then when I was in uh, Colombia, I didn't need healthcare in the same way that I did in Korea, but each time I went, uh, I had really great doctors. They all spoke English and I felt like they really knew what they were talking about. And again, no issues with astronomical bills or payments. Mm -hmm. Um, so really good experience there as well. And China, is kind of an interesting experience um, because I often went to an expat facility that were run by doctors from uh, English-speaking countries. So that's where I had most of my checkups done. But I did have to go to a state-run hospital uh, because I had... I. This is going to be an overshare, but I couldn't stop vomiting uh, for about 12 hours. And I was Mm -hmm. so dehydrated and weak that I had to just go to the nearest place. So Mm -hmm. my now husband walked me over and it was a very different experience. Um, There were a lot of people there and I was hooked up to, you know, they, they did take good care of me in the in the sense that I walked out of there much better than when I walked in and it was very inexpensive and I did get Mm -hmm. the medicine that I needed but there were no real nurses there and I saw a lot of elderly people in beds with their kids taking care of them Mm -hmm. and you know there wasn't soap in the bathrooms and so there is that 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 occurs in in different countries around the world Mm -hmm. and so I think it goes back to that idea of privilege. You know, I've been an expat and I have had insurance through my schools. And so I have been able to go to top tier hospitals and and doctors and not really think about that. So that was an eye opening experience to think, Mm -hmm. hmm, what are some of these local hospitals like that I'm not seeing no, absolutely. I think, yeah, tiered care yeah, tiered. is a reality, you know? And so I think that's that's eye-opening whenever mm-hmm. you get to experience different tiers. Exactly. And so that was my experience in China. And then here in Romania, it's getting better here, but Romania is consistently rated the worst healthcare in the EU. Mm-hmm. It's just underfunded. Uh, I will say, though... I have had to get regular blood blood work done because I recently had thyroid cancer 
And so I've gotten scans here and blood work done, and it's been fantastic. Really, really quick. I'll get my blood work uh, results the next day, maybe even the same day. Mm -hmm. And for a whole battery of tests, like if you're getting a physical, it usually costs me around $100 out of pocket, and then I get reimbursed. And the scan's the same. I got an MRI for a knee issue a couple months ago, and... I spent less than, I think I spent about 100 euros out of pocket without insurance uh, for, for a major wow. scan. So yeah. that is great Easily here. Easily 10 times more. Yeah, here. exactly. <laughs> so it does vary from country to country. But I think the same, you know, consistent things that I've seen is it's a lot cheaper. <laughs> sure. Mm-hmm. Sure. Is the one consistent. And I have mm-hmm. been fortunate to receive great care everywhere I've been. Yeah. I mean, as physicians, you know, we know that cheaper often translates into better access, which is really, really, really important to us in terms of our patient population. So yeah. we think that's important to highlight. Now, as a teacher, do you have any tips for people moving abroad with kids? Because as we said, a lot of people do want to move abroad in, because of the idea of providing this rich experience for their kids. Yeah. Uh, I think something to, again, with that list is understanding what type of educational experience they want their kids to experience. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people opt to, you know, go for a local experience, which can be great, uh, especially if, if kids are wanting to learn the local language. Um, Since I've worked at international schools, most of my friends with kids have been teachers at these international schools. And so their kids have been able to attend for free. Mm. Uh, With that said, if you are not going to be an international teacher and you're moving abroad as a digital nomad, or you're just, like we said, dipping your toe in and kind of doing a bunch of different things, I think something really important to keep in mind is that a lot of these international private schools are very expensive. The mm. tuition, there's no way that my parents or myself could ever afford um, enrolling in one of these private schools. Okay. So I do think it's important to keep that in mind. Um, many companies do offer that as a benefit. So when I was living in Shanghai, uh, some of our students were Disney families. And oh. yeah, and oh. <laughs> and working for some of these really large corporations. And uh-huh. I do know that a lot of those businesses, one of the perks for, you know, moving the entire family abroad was providing good education for their oh, kids. Interesting. So that's kind of a complex issue. I think something really important to think about is education. And if you are moving somewhere, I think understanding the visa process as well, uh, how long you're going to stay and what what you can do and what you can't do on those specific mm-hmm. visas. So are mm. you able to enroll your child in a local school under a digital nomad visa? Um, are there international schools that you are interested in that maybe you can afford or that your company will pay for? So I think schooling is probably the number one thing to think about. Um, you know, also thinking about is my is my kid the type of kid that can learn online 
Because if that's the case, there are tons of opportunities popping up online to kind of uh, cater your child's education depending on interest and what they think they're going to do. Um, But I do Mm -hmm. realize the younger the kids are, the more challenging that is and the less screen time you want for them. So Mm -hmm. I think that's a hard balance to strike. Mm -hmm. Makes sense. So yeah, I think that's yeah. that's the number one thing to think about is probably education. And then another thing, like I said before, just kind of making a list of what you want your kids to get out of this experience. And then also mm-hmm. realizing that there is culture shock. And yeah. mm-hmm. depending on where you're going and depending on what your child is like, they could have varying degrees of culture shock and what does that look like? And do you have access to mental health care if your child is maybe struggling with anxiety or maybe having more trouble to adapt than you planned? It's mm-hmm. different for everyone. I've seen kids that are super resilient and they have nothing but amazing things to say and they make friends really quickly, but you know, there are other kids that have a tough time and they miss their friends back home and they only want to speak English. (laughs) And so Mm -hmm. I think it's really important to have realistic expectations. Uh, You know, you know your kids best and maybe talking about, I think also mentally preparing for that jump before you do it. So Mm -hmm. if you are able to have some, you know, counseling sessions beforehand with us, psychologist that would be wonderful if you could prep and kind of have a plan for things that could come up because then they'll feel empowered and they'll know that it's coming yeah so how long does it take would you say to adjust to living in a new country and and have you had a favorite in terms of your adjustment to a new place it really for me it's depended on my state of mind and hmm. <laughs> and I think my age and also the country. So again, I think mm-hmm. it just really depends on where you're at in life and what you're doing. <laughs> and for example, when I moved to Korea, I was young, I was 28 and I had no idea what I was getting myself into. And so <laughs> I just <laughs> I just jumped straight in, feet first, head first, whatever you say and I had a blast and I never experienced culture shock, which I think is crazy. Um, But (laughs) I think I was just at a really good state of mind and I needed that adventure and that stage of my life. Mm -hmm. And so what might stress me out now as an older person, (laughs) I thrived like that. That was what gave gave me energy back then Uh were like, I don't understand this menu and I love it, you know, or uh, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, I mean, it sounds kind of silly, but I just, no, it makes sense. No, it's impressive. (laughs) And I remember uh, talking to, you know, my colleagues and being like, guys, we live in Korea, you know, so (laughs) I was young and it was exciting. And um, yeah, so I didn't really experience culture shock there I think really until I had that moment of panic at the hospital you know where you're like Mm -hmm. oh my gosh this is this is something serious Mm -hmm. and so it really kind of depends on what comes your way as well and um, a lot of times you don't know how systems work in different countries so that can also add to to the culture shock because you don't feel in control 
Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, it, this sounds really weird, but I think the toughest time that I had was when I moved to Colombia. Even though it was the closest to my home, I'm from Florida. You know, it was mm-hmm. an easy <laughs> yeah. flight home. Uh, I, I think it's because my expectations were different. Because when I moved to Korea and when I moved to China, I knew it was going to be very different. Mm-hmm. And I knew that language was going to be a barrier. And I knew, you know, I just knew that it was going to be challenging in in ways that I was prepared for. Mm-hmm. But when I moved to Bogota, you know, it was a two and a half hour flight from Orlando. And mm-hmm. so it seemed like, you know, I don't know, this sounds stupid, but in my mind, I was like, it's like moving just the little south of Miami, you know, it'll, it'll right, be familiar right. to me. And it wasn't. And I hadn't mentally prepared for that. So I hadn't mm. mentally prepared for the exhaustion that comes with learning a second language um, and being immersed in it while you're also learning a new school and mm-hmm. a new culture right. and making friends mm-hmm. and yeah. doing all of the things that you do when you move to a new country. That was really hard for me. And, you know, I I went through a bout of depression and anxiety Mm -hmm. because of it and started seeing a mental health counselor, a psychologist, and a psychiatrist when I was in Bogota. They were fabulous. Oh, that's wonderful. Yes. And so I was able to get that help. And then learning Spanish and making local friends was huge for me. And Mm -hmm. once I felt like I was part of the community... It became a lot better, but that first year was really tough for me. And I think it's because I just hadn't managed my expectations properly. Right. Yeah. That's a really interesting point. It reminds me of my experience because I moved from Canada to the U.S. when I was 17. And I think a lot of people think that that's real. I mean, that's just next door, right? right? Like, even I also Mm -hmm. didn't necessarily think it would be that much of... Um, I don't even know if culture shock is the right word, but there is some sort of shock to the system that does take months to years to adjust to. And I, I absolutely was not expecting it. And I think I, you know, I think that's a really, really interesting and little known <laughs> uh, point to bring up because people may think that moving, you know, maybe moving to another English speaking country is not necessarily that big of a deal when it really might be in ways that we can't envision until we do it. For sure. Yeah, you bring up such a good point because I I love that your experience of moving from Canada to the States because we do think, oh, those those are our neighbors. You know, it's the same place. But it's not, you know, the... Not at all. Even just healthcare, even just one... Mm -hmm. That's what I was just thinking, yep. Even Mm -hmm. just one aspect. I think any time that you don't know how systems are, you know, there's such a comfort Mm -hmm. in knowing how things work. Yes. Especially the older that you get, especially when you are with kids, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. you, it's important. It's important to know how things work. And when you don't, you can feel out of control. And as we all know, Absolutely. when you feel out of control, yeah. that's when the anxiety creeps in. Right. <laughs> so, right. right. <laughs> it is a form of privilege to be able to navigate any system yeah. for sure. And I think mm-hmm. also when you have differences such as, you know, universal health care in one place versus another place that doesn't, that's also uh, that also is reflective of sort of the 
principles and philosophy of the population. So I think that too is where a lot of stress can come in because if you, you know, using universal healthcare as an example, if you don't grow up with it, you often don't believe that it's necessary. If you do grow up with it or you have experienced it in a time of need, you may feel differently. So I think that that then informs how you respond to a lot of different issues, social, political, um, relationship issues. So I that may be where some of the stress of that change comes in. And you're right. I think to be prepared for it is really key uh, in, in minimizing potential suffering, you know, when you make that change. Yeah, for sure. I mean, even just even if you just take healthcare, for example, you know, you're like, well, I think something's wrong. What do I have to go to a primary care doctor first? Mm-hmm. You know, can I jump right I in yeah. and go yeah. to a specialist? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And it's just, yeah. it seems like such a simple thing. But when it comes to something as important as your health, it becomes stressful very quickly. Mm-hmm. Very frightening. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It can completely change the decisions that you make about your health, right? Based on where you are. Oh, yeah. And the question of primary care versus a specialist, I think some people are even thinking, do I go to anyone or do I just sort of wait right. and let it become a crisis and then I'll be able to deal with it? Well, yeah. I can't afford the prevention, but, right. you know, just kind of hold off and hope that things go away or just take care of it when it becomes an immediate problem. It's really tough. It is yeah. because yeah. you start you start thinking because um, even in, especially in terms of crisis, if, if we think something's wrong, you know, even just one little obstacle can seem like too mm-hmm. much. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So even if you don't have like one, like a a recommendation or, you know, back home, I have a doctor I've seen since I was a child, you know, and it brings me Mm -hmm. comfort. And so it's like, well, I don't want to see a new person. And what if they don't understand my background? And what if I can't get that information that they need? And then it just feels like too much. And then, like you said, you you wait and then worse things can happen, Mm -hmm. you know, because you weren't diligent. And then, yeah, it's tricky. Right. Because sometimes it's a choice that, you know, I mean, am I going to see a doctor or am I going to pay my rent? Right. Like these are impossible choices or are my kids going to eat? So Mm -hmm. it's um, yeah. I mean, not. Yeah. Like we don't we're not judging at all. We totally understand. (laughs) These are really tough things. But, you know, you have said that Romania, you know, maybe the healthcare system you said was not was not rated highly in the EU. And I think you've said also that you would spend a total of five years in Romania. You talked a little bit about this earlier. So you guys are thinking about moving on. You mentioned Croatia and Mexico. Have you thought about any other places that you might might be starting next year? Yeah, uh, you know, I'll, I'll go back to the top of the episode where I talked about Diane Lane and Under the Tuscan Sun (laughs) because it's still very much a dream of mine to own a villa in uh, Tuscany or wherever. Uh, We will definitely visit you. Just let us know when. Um, We can house it. Right. No problem. Yeah. So my husband and I actually have been looking for houses in northern Italy. Oh, fantastic. It does seem like, and it is an immense privilege and you know, I am trying to live that under the Tuscan love fantasy, but it it's for different reasons than someone might think. Like, yeah, it's, you know, the food is amazing and who doesn't want to learn Italian and, you know, all, all the things that come with living in Italy. Right. But it's also so much more affordable. I can't, yeah. I can't even mm-hmm. think about renting renting somewhere in Florida. I can't. Mm-hmm. The yeah. amount of money that my friends are are 
paying for property right now. I mean, it's it's just prohibitive. And so mm-hmm. for the same exact property with land, you know, with vines or, or what have you, I'll just give you an example. Mm-hmm. Um, we were looking at, and it was an old farmhouse. It needed restoration, but it was a pretty large uh, three, four bedroom house. And it had property with um, fruit trees and wine grapes. And it was going to cost us 170,000 euros. Oh my God. (laughs) A day? (laughs) Right, 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 right. Yeah. I mean, put one in front of that number and you've got DC. Right, right. Right. (laughs) Maybe a couple of ones actually in front of that number. (laughs) Right. I I used to live in DC actually as well. Oh, really? Really? Okay. That's where we are. Oh, okay. Okay. Yep, yep. That's where our money goes. <laughs> yeah, say no more. I get it. So that that number, yeah. Are are you talking about per year or what are you actually talking about right now? <laughs> so Italy is still, uh, you know, we actually made an offer on that house and it, f- it fell through because we're learning a lot of information about mortgages and, mm. you know, there there's a learning curve of of how to work, uh, work that out when you're not residents. So we're kind of just looking into what is going to make sense for our family Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. my husband Luke's family still lives in Australia. Mine still lives Mm -hmm. in Florida. And now we have friends all around the world that are like family to us. I bet. Yeah. So we're like, where is somewhere central that people actually want to go to? And then we're like, who doesn't want to go to Italy? (laughs) so good call yeah so that's an option and like we said uh croatia is offering the digital nomad visa we've also looked into portugal uh but we're keeping things open uh Mm -hmm. we do have the dog so that's Mm -hmm. that's a concern of he's too big to fly in cabin so we're also okay. thinking, where can we go that we can drive our car? And then if we do go back, can we go back during a time that is a little bit more, you know, temperate? Uh, because, I don't know, I worry about the dog <laughs> on the tarmac. <laughs> <laughs> so you mentioned before, and, you know, and just now around how the cost of moving back to the U.S. is pretty prohibitive. Can you talk a little bit more about maybe if you do ever see yourself coming back home and what might bring you back home? Yeah, I have. There have been periods of time where I have wanted to move back home. You know, my parents, knock on wood, God forbid, they're very healthy. They're 72, but, you know, they walk every day. They work out. They're probably healthier than I am, to be honest. (laughs) Um, And they are very supportive of of this lifestyle. But, you know, my sister is about to have a second child. And things happen where you think, you know, should I move home now so that I can enjoy my parents where they are at a time in their life where they're thriving, Mm. but they're still retired. And Mm -hmm. I want to be there for my nieces and nephews to grow up. Um, And so... These types of conversations always make me think maybe I should move home. But then when I sit down and actually do the math and weigh the pros and cons, I don't do it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I just think it's a really complicated decision. And I don't, the, 
the longer that I live abroad, the tougher it becomes because that concept of home is so gray now. Yeah, mm-hmm. that makes sense. Because I have mm-hmm. a partner from Australia. And so we're already an international family to start with. Mm-hmm. And, you know, now this is my fourth international home. Uh, we're about to choose a fifth. And so mm-hmm. where is home? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, my family lives in, in Florida, but when I think about what home is, I get homesick for different places I've lived. You know, I, I get homesick for the fruit juices in Colombia and I get mm-hmm. I get homesick for, you know, the noodles in, in China or even just the friends that you make or the things that you do day to day, you know. I used to pass every day in Shanghai these locals dancing ballroom, like ballroom dancing in the parks. And I get nostalgic for those things that you didn't know existed before you moved to these places. So that Mm -hmm. concept of home becomes so almost metaphorical. Like it's just difficult to define. And so I don't know if it becomes... Every year it becomes harder and harder to envision myself back home because Mm -hmm. you do Mm -hmm. change in ways that you're not even aware of until Mm -hmm. you go back. And so I think, will I even fit in anymore? Will that feel Mm -hmm. like home? So it's it's complicated. It is. It's definitely not an easy, easy decision to make, right? Between family and finances and things that are even less tangible, that point that you made of where is home? Yeah, exactly. It's home Florida, (laughs) it's home Australia, it's home somewhere where you had, you know, transformative changes in your life, and you feel Mm -hmm. still rooted there. That's it's, it's tough, right? And I think good for us to know, you know, I mean, for anybody contemplating this kind of decision, I think it's good to know all the sort of the the pros and cons, Mm -hmm. the good and bad, um, Mm -hmm. because the better prepared you are, the better experience it'll be. And it's not all flowy skirts and pasta. And wine. <laughs> yeah, that makes it easier, so right? <laughs> right. It makes it a lot easier, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. But still mostly flowy right. skirts and pasta. Yeah. I think, yeah. yeah. <laughs> this is still sounding amazing. <laughs> it is. And, you know, I did I did talk a lot, lot about logistical things or things that I guess I would have wanted to think more about before I moved abroad. But mm-hmm. the truth is... A lot of it has been magical, and Mm. it's been the best decision I've ever made in my entire life, and I would never take it back. I wouldn't even take back some of the most challenging days that I've had because of the things we talked about, Mm -hmm. because I am, at the end of the day, I understand the world in a way that I never would have, Mm -hmm. even if I had just traveled. Mm -hmm. Living somewhere versus mm-hmm. traveling is a completely different experience. And mm-hmm. yeah, what it teaches you, you could never find in a book or it's, it just changes you in ways that it's hard to verbalize. It's, it's hard mm-hmm. for me to tell you, but it's been, it's led me to love. It's led me to the person that I'm actually proud of and Uh, It's given me perspective that I never would have had. And then, yes, I have had those moments where I've twirled around in a flowy skirt and and drank wine. And, you know, it's also led me to career paths I didn't even know existed. When I was in Shanghai, I was a food food tour guide. 
And uh, hmm. oh my gosh! And uh, dream yeah. <laughs> And I was a a food writer. You know, I'd go to restaurants mm. and and review them. Mm. And I just don't think I'd have a lot of those opportunities if I had stayed at home okay. because things mm-hmm. come your way because you're an English speaker and you're in right. an mm. expat bubble or. You know, I've been on commercials because they're like, oh, we need an English speaker. Can you do it? I'm like, I mean, I guess. <laughs> so uh, it's funny what comes your way. And yeah. Yeah. Okay. You've twisted our arm, Jennifer. Yeah. We're going in with you on the Italian bill. <laughs> okay. Excellent. We will send you our info. <laughs> and I don't even need the mortgage. We can just split it three ways. <laughs> I have $5. <laughs> Apparently that's all you need. Right, exactly. <laughs> that buys the East Wing. Exactly. <laughs> but thank you so much, Jennifer. This has been so enlightening, so and we really great. hopeful. We really hope that it's been helpful to listeners that might be might be considering this, might be cracking open that door in their mind. Um, we're really grateful that you've shared your vast and really unique experience with us, and we wish you all the best. We're going to be following your blog, and we will be linking to your blog in our show notes at HippocraticCoast.com so that everyone else can follow along and see what country number five ends up being lucky country number five (laughs) great thank you so much for having me this was a really fun conversation (laughs) thank you so much Thanks so much to Jennifer Stevens for joining us and sharing her success story about moving abroad multiple times. For more on her life, check out her blog at adventurousappetite.com. And if you're thinking about whether a new country might be right for you, check out our show notes at hippocratichost.com for resources that can help. Thanks, as always, for listening. We appreciate you all so much. Please follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We're also on Pinterest. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and review us on Apple Podcasts and tell a friend about the show. Thanks, everyone. Talk to you again soon. Thanks for listening to Health at Home with the Hippocratic Hosts. Remember that all views expressed here are our own, not our employers, and all content is for informational purposes only and should not be construed as medical advice nor the establishment of a doctor-patient relationship. Always consult your own physician or healthcare team for any medical issues. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate us, subscribe, and tell a friend. And check out our website at www.hippocratichosts.com for show notes on this and all our episodes. Can't wait to chat with you next time.